Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. Hallelujah. Feel free to continue to move around the room. I sense victory in the house this morning and your faith being encouraged and elevated. I don't know about you, but we have the best praising worship team, don't we? Give them a round of applause. We thank God for you all, you singers, players, musicians, our media, our sound people. Thank you guys. You guys help us create an atmosphere where the presence of God is so strong and powerful. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome again to Impact Church. My name is Olga Becker. I'm a pastor here, and we've already received so much in today's service, and I'm so excited for what God wants to do uh, through this time of, of, of studying His Word and having a conversation. Can we have a conversation today? Will you conversate with me? We've been talking about God is able. That's been resounding in the service today. We're talking about miracles, signs, and wonders, and the promises of God. And last week, we heard a beautiful testimony of the Hernandez's, a couple, talking about as they were waiting for their promise. And Miss Carla just testified about the goodness of God of God in her life. And today, actually, I was reminded when I was back there listening to her, today is the eighth anniversary of a miracle in my family's life. Our um, eight-year-old son, Zion, received his miracle eight years ago today. He had open-heart surgery, and just the hand of God was all over that surgery and the surgeon and he was a month and a half. And so a month and a half baby to have to go through open heart surgery. We prayed and we believed and we stood on God's promises. And he went from surgery to the intensive care unit for uh, what they call it, PEDS intensive care unit. And they said, okay, he'll be here for a few days. We don't know how long. It depends on how he reacts. Then we'll do a step down to like intensive care. And then we'll do a step down to like the regular wings until we're able to release him. So our son went from intensive care, around the clock, tubes everywhere, monitors, liquids. There were so many like pokes and tubes going out of different places. He went from intensive care to home. Home within 24 hours. Home. Thank you, Jesus. And we were able to testify. The nurses on the NICU unit, they were just like, we never see this. They were celebrating him. They were uh, giving him mohawks. They put him on a little cart and like drove him around the wings to like show off what God had done. So I just wanted to give God glory for that. Family, be encouraged. He's a miracle working God. He still heals, saves, delivers today. And he has a miracle for you. If you are waiting on that miracle, hang on to it. Hang on to it. If you believe the promises of God are yes and amen, say amen. All right, let's go ahead and and, and dive into this. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, thank you. Give them a hand one more time. We thank God for you all. You don't know, they labor week in and week out, week out, and so I'm so proud of them. Proud of this guy right here, turned 17 this week, our son. This is our oldest son, Justice, and he's not one to get attention on himself, but mama has to embarrass you just once, once a year, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was proclaimed among you by me and Silvanus, 
and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For the promises of God are yes in Christ, and so through him our amen is spoken to the glory of God. Today is part two of take the promises. Take the promises for yourself. Um, just really quick to recap, um, last week we studied out of Habakkuk 2.3. It says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time, it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. There's certainty here. It says certainly come. There's no doubt about it. There's no if and or what's. There's no doubt it will certainly come. And just uh, like I said earlier, the Hernandezes shared their story last week, their testimony about being uh, married for 15 years and the last eight years believing for uh, conceiving a baby. And they went through a lot through that process. They were ministers um, in their church. And what they learned, they shared with us. Um, they talked about God's timing is perfect and that God is still in the waiting. If you're in a waiting season, God is in the waiting with you. And they talked about how the enemy will use shame because they couldn't conceive and it will use um, doubt to keep you isolated. And they talked about the importance of community. And family, it's so important that we, we understand that we need community to get us through the waiting process. And today I'm still talking about the promises of God um, and taking them for ourselves. Where well, last week we talked about the waiting. Today we're going to focus on the wandering. The wandering that delays the process. And um, the biggest example in the Bible for us to uh, read about is the Israelites. And how they were delivered from bondage and slavery and the rule of Pharaoh, and God promised them freedom. You guys know the story? You guys seen Prince of Egypt? God uh, promised them a new land, a new lives, and the Bible tells us that on their way from deliverance to the promised land, it took them 40 years to reach the promise. And why did it do that? Why did it take them 40 years? As I say four, I meant 40. It was their disbelief their disobedience, and their fear that delayed their promise. And I think we can really learn from this today because a lot of times it's our disbelief, our disobedience, and our fears that keep us from our promises. Um, in Deuteronomy 1, it talks about how it can take, it took them, it should have took them 11 days from where they were to where they were going. Um, it says, oh, it's not out there, but it's okay. It says, it says between Paran and Tophil, Laban, I can't say these words, Hazroth and Dizahab, it took 11 days to go from Horeb of Kadesh, Bernia, by Mount Seir Road. And then the next verse, it says it took them 40 years. It took them 40 years, what could have taken 11 days? It took them, and I did the math, it took them 14,589 extra days to get their promise than it should have. That's a huge number when you think about it. 11 days compared to 14,000. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6 chapter. If you have your Bibles or your phones or you just want to follow along, I have it up here. We're going to try to break this down a little bit. Maybe a lot of it. Really quick before I keep going, I just want to interrupt this service. Pastor Jamin is back in CIA this week with our children, and they have been so blessed. And I want to give you guys a little sneak peek about what's going on over there. So if we have that video, this is what's been happening this morning in CIA. Love technology. There he is. There's our pastor. There's the kids. He is having a good time. This must be during their praise time. 
cute they are. Always with me. That's awesome. I know they can't hear us, but give them a hand. They're having a good time over there. What a blessing it is for our kids. I've been hearing just some great reports about how they're having the best services over there. And I believe this is his last week over there. He'll be back next week. So come back next week. He's back, I promise. He's back in the pulpit. And I'm sure he's going to have an amazing word to share with you all. But right now, let's go ahead and go back to Deuteronomy 6.20. It says, in the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of all the stipulations, decrees, and the laws of the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Verse 22 says, before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. Verse 23, but he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. So it's saying in the beginning of this, this text, verse 20, it says, in the future, when the time comes, when your sons ask you, when the next generation asks you, when, when your children ask you, what was this all about? Mother, father, grandma, grandpa, what was this all about? God is saying, I want you to remind them that I brought you out of slavery, out of bondage to take you in to possess the promised land. I took you out to take you in. We're putting emphasis on that. He takes us out to take us in to the promised land. And he's like, I need you to remind the people that they came out of slavery for a purpose. He came out of bondage for a purpose. They didn't come out of slavery to wander around for 40 years. He, they didn't, he didn't bring them out to just wander around the wilderness, to, to go over the same obstacles, to uh, the same little hurdles, the same issues for 40 years. That was not the purpose. He brought them out for a purpose. And I, was, and, I, and, I, and I can't help but ask myself, how many Christians today that we're taking 40 years to do what it could take us 11 days? That we're taking 40 years to go around the same obstacles, the same hurdles, going around the same mountain. And maybe it's not 40 years, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's five years, but it's taking us way longer than God attended for us. And the Egyptians, they came out of Egypt after 430 years of slavery, um, they had prayed to God, they had cried out to him, and God heard, the Israelites cried out to God, and he heard them, and he delivered them. And along with setting them free, they experienced signs, miracles, wonders. They saw plagues on Pharaoh. They were able to um, experience the miraculous. We read about the parting of the Red Sea. An entire Egyptian army was drowned. So many miracles that they actually witnessed firsthand. And still their disobedience their disbelief and their fears kept them, kept them wandering and delayed their promise. Why? Why, why, why? I'm a why person. Why does this happen? Why did this happen? Why is this happening? Why? Because even though they were physically delivered from bondage, they were physically set free, physically let go, they were no longer under physical bondage. They were delivered physically, but mentally and spiritually they were not free yet. They had been delivered from slavery, physically, but mentally, they were still in bondage. Between deliverance and the promised land, there was 40 years of wandering. 
Most Christians, we, we think that because we are free, we're no longer in it. We're free, we're no longer, because we're out of bondage, we're, we're free. We might be no longer in bondage to physical uh, sin or slavery or our insecurities or our past. We might think that, okay, I got delivered, I got healed, I got set free. Okay, I used to struggle with that, I don't struggle with it anymore. But are we, are we, are our minds still there? Are we still going around the same things? It's just still pulling us back. And you might be delivered out, but you might not be free to go into take um, what God has for us, the promises of God, the, the, all the promises that the Bible says. We might be set free and saved and delivered, but are we taking, are we partaking of all the promises of God that God has for us? Are we uh, resetting our minds? Are we rethinking, are we programming our minds from where we were to where God wants us to be? And how do we do that? With his word. And so many times we go around the same mountains, the same, the same mountains, the same doubt that we're in the wilderness. Um, we're, we're dealing with fear, with offense, with bitterness, with rejection, um, with anger, greed. And we're just going round and round. And this is really important. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, and write this down, take a picture, write in your notes. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge, our mind, of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through him you may participate in the divine nature the divine nature of God, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. King James says, be partakers of the divine nature of God. So we need to go from the slave in bondage mentality to the sonship, to be sons and daughters of God. The promises that God are given to us, we can partake in his divine nature. We, don't, we might not have an actual promised land that we're getting to, but we have the promises of God. Amen? And what are these promises that we keep talking about in the Bible? And we talked about them a lot last week, but I just want to just um, encourage you with a couple of them. Isaiah 53, 3 says, by his wounds we are healed. That's a promise of God. Um, Mark 16 says, in Jesus' name I will cast out demons. He has promised that you are able and have the authority to cast out demons. You will speak in new tongues. Um, it says, they will, you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You have the authority in Jesus Christ. If you are born, saved again, and believe, you can lay hands on your family and declare them healed and they will recover. That's Mark 16, 17 through 18. Um, I can do all things through who strengthens you. It's a promise of God. You have strength. This morning I woke up, I was so tired. I was just started with speaking the word over myself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror. You can overcome. You are a conqueror. Um, throw this in there. You can be angry and sin not. The Bible teaches us that all sorts of promises of God. And I'm just reading a couple out of like three, four, five, six, seven thousand. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Eight, Romans 8, 39. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. No matter what you've done, what you're thinking, who you've been, it cannot separate you. Now, sin separates us from God, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. If God is for us, who can be when I first got saved, that was my scripture. And I said, you know what, God? When I first came to know him, if I have you on my side, who can be against me? I can do all things. 
He is the shield to those who take refuge in him, Psalms 93.5. He can be your shield, your refuge, whatever you're going through. His promises are given to us so we can partake and participate in the goodness of God, our Heavenly Father. In what ways, question, in what ways have you been delivered but yet not set free? The Israelites had to kill off a slave mentality. They literally had to, if you read this story, and I, and I encourage you to read, again, there's so much that I can't cover in this time, but they literally had to kill off a generation and able to move on. They had to kill off that slavery mentality so they can come into the promise. And what mindsets and thinking do we need to kill off? What cycles do we need to break in our minds? And I know a little bit about uh, breaking cycles. Um, all my life, pretty much, I've been guilty of creating defense mechanisms, and many of you probably can uh, relate to this, you know, when somebody hurts you or when something happens to you, you create a little defense mechanism. You're like, hmm, I don't trust you anymore. Um, I'm not going to let you hurt me anymore. And you start to create these little defense mechanisms and these, these walls to keep people from hurting you. And so throughout the years, you do this. And, and um, so many times we create walls to keep people out. And it's intended to keep people out. And, and we create these uh, walls and we're like, okay, um, I don't trust people as much. Or, or you have to. And I... And I, and I I'm a 100% believer in trust has to be earned, absolutely. Um, but we create these with, with our loved ones, with our friends, with our family, and sometimes we just flat out just be like, I'm done with you in my life, you hurt me, and we create these uh, defense mechanisms, these little walls, we, we create this maximum security prison sometimes for ourselves. And what we don't understand that what it was meant sometimes to keep us safe is keeping people out. And what we, don't, we fail to understand that as we're keeping people out and we're staying safe in this place, we're keeping God out as well. And so think about that. You know, you're so in yourself and you're so protecting yourself that you start trusting and that trust gets in your heart and you're also keeping God out. And it's very important that we realize that these walls, as we allow people to love us, as we're like, for example, when we're in a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, somebody that we're getting to know, we're open, right? And we're vulnerable because we're falling in love and we love them and we open ourselves to get hurt. That's part of the risk, that we take. And I believe that as children of God, we have to be careful with these little mechanisms, these self-preservation things. God can preserve us. God can keep us safe. God can heal us. And so many times we, we, we are so quick to protect ourselves that we don't open ourselves up and we're also keeping out God. Does that resonate with you guys? You put yourself in a prison and you keep yourself there and you are delaying your freedom, your promise, the promises of God for your life. When you don't deal with your issue, your hurts, your slavery mentality, your victim mentality, you don't apply the word of God to those issues and 40 years can go by and you still haven't gotten your promise. So many men, so many women, so many of us or so many of you I see that we see this time and time again. Pastor Dame and I were talking to, to couples um, within our church or just friends. So many of, so many of us, your, your current spouse is paying for something that they didn't do to you. They're paying for something that, nev- that they never did because you never dealt with what somebody else did to you. How many of our children are dealing with, um, uh, they're dealing with, um, pain and suffering for things that they weren't responsible for because we didn't deal with stuff. So many times we will, will carry our baggage, things that people did to us, into our future. And then we 
not even maybe meaning to, we take it out on our loved ones, on our spouses, on our children. Jesus died for us, but we have made what someone else has done to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. And until we can make what Jesus did for us greater than what was done against us, we, we will delay the living in freedom. Think about that. We need to make what Jesus did for us on the cross bigger than what anybody here on earth can do to us. Amen? John eight thirty six says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus was our promise. Jesus was our promise to freedom, and he's already done it over 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for our freedom. It's already done. It's already yours. It's, it's there for the taking. So we need to deal with those things that were done to us, done against us, those unfair things, those um, hurtful things, those things that were done to us as children, as adults, those things that were done to you five, two years ago, last month, last week. And although we don't have any control over what is done to us, we can control how we react to it, amen, and how we deal with it, and how we respond to it. And how do we do this? With God's help. And I just have a, a, a quick testimony to share with you guys. And um, how do we do this? How do we let go? How do we deal with these things? And growing up, just a little background on myself, growing up, I, um, I and uh, where should I start? Growing up, um, my parents, I, have, I, had, I was born to two amazing parents. I have an older sister and a younger brother. I love my family. And growing up, I had, um, uh, our parents came here from Mexico, uh, immigrated here, and um, that has nothing to do with my story, but I'm just giving you guys a little background because I just remembered that this is like Hispanic Heritage Month, and I'm so proud of our uh, culture and that we're here in America. And I want to give a shout out to my brother who is sitting here and my mom. Woman of God, thank you for your prayers and your love and support and uh, not giving up on me even when I was bogus and ratchet and a bad teenager. My mom could tell you stories. We have a story that she always likes to tell about how uh, one day I was so rebellious, I jumped out the bathroom window, and when she found me at my friend's house, because I kind of ran away for a couple hours, not too long, um, she made me jump back in the same window. (laughs) And granted, if you know bathroom windows, they're not big. They're usually small, and they're usually way up high. And so she gave me a boost, and she said, you came out that window, you're going back in that window. She gave me, this is my mom, just so you know. This is what I grew up with, and I'm so thankful for. She gave me a boost and threw me back in that window because the door was locked, and I had to unlock it because no one could use the bathroom that day. Um, Yeah, true story. But just to let you guys know, um, my parents separated when I was 10, and I think most of my childhood, I remember having a great bond with him. We, were, uh, we watched Cubs games together. Um, we, just, we, we had a great bond. And by the time um, I, I was 10, my parents separated. Um, and, you know, when your parents separate, those of you who can relate, you know, the relationship is, is rocky, it's strained. You do the best you can with the circumstances. You know, you don't see them. The adults in the situation hurt, and they're dealing with their own issues. And as parents, we're just bystanders of that. And so I believe that the relationship was rocky pretty much up until the time I became a young adult. My my dad and I became a little closer um, at that time. And during that season of us, I think I was about 19, 20 years old, I started noticing that our roles were a little reversed. And um, I felt like I had taken on the role of the parent and he had taken on the role of the child. And not to in any way... um, 
disrespect him in any way or anything like that. Um, but I believe that sometimes people do the best they can with what they have. And um, so during this season, I feel like I was doing, I was giving, I was taking care. I was driving him places. I was helping him with his, um, getting his finances in order. He had his own demons and things that he was battling in. And he dealt with um, addictions pretty much all his life. And I was in the middle of that, helping him through that, walking with that through him, driving him to appointments, driving him to court cases. I mean, it wasn't until one day, I think I was about 20 years old, and I drove him to, he had to uh, serve a 30-day sentence at a jail for the DUIs. And as a 20-year-old girl, I had to walk into this jail, prison, um, and help check him in and help, I don't know, I was familiar with this process, but it's a pretty scary process. It's late at night, you're there, and there's all these men, and you're checking them in, you're translating for him, because he doesn't speak a lot of English, and he's uh, turning in his possessions, and he's giving stuff to you, and he's saying goodbye for 30 days. And you don't know, as a 20-year-old, what's going to happen in that jail, because you watch movies, and you hear horror stories, and you just don't know. And I remember going to my car, and just being so traumatized, and scared, and just burdened and overwhelmed. And I remember just crying out to God and be like, God, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. Like, like what is happening here? Like, I don't even know if I'm going to see him. Will something happen to him while he's there? And as a 20-year-old girl, like, you know, just all the, the burden, the pressure. And God says, you don't have to. Release him to me. And so I remember crying and praying through that process and just being like, I release him to you. And I remember just in that season of my life, I was able to release him from responsibilities of what he couldn't be to me, release him from the hurt, release him from what I would have wanted him to be, um, and to just releasing him to God completely and letting go. And then from there on out, anytime there was a disappointment, anytime there was a hurt, anytime there was a miss um, appointment or a date that we were supposed to see them and he didn't, we didn't see him, no hurt, no pain, no insecurities, I was able to completely release him to God. And so it's important for us to understand that we sometimes, there's people in our lives that we have expectations. We have um, things in our minds that we would love for them to be like. And it's time for us to release those people. And I recently shared this with somebody and he was like, well, I don't think that's fair. Why would you release your dad to the responsibility? He's supposed to be your dad. Why would you release him of that responsibility? And I said, I didn't do it for him. I did it for me. God did it for me. God knew that what I needed and I was able to release him. And I was able to love him respect him, and honor him as my father, but I was able to release him. So, so how many of you sitting here today might have somebody in your life that you're holding on to, the disappointment, the rejection, the hurt, the I wish he was, I wish she was like this, and it's time for us to release them, and God could do that for you today. God could help you release him or her to God. Amen. And I just want you to encourage you that God never wastes a hurt. He's our redeemer. He never wastes a hurt. He never wastes your pain. If you're willing to walk forward in him and to your promises of God, he is right there with you, and he will use what you go through to help somebody else. Amen? We need to get rid of our slave mentality. We need to check our, our obedience. And as we read the story, again, of the Israelites, so much disobedience, so much idolatry, so many things, what are we not being obedient to God in? Or where are we at that we think we're good? Like either whether it's in, in our walk with God, in our serving, in our giving, in our generosity, in our love, where are we that we need to take it to that next level? 
we need to walk the, the, the walk of faith. And uh, I'm getting ready to close here, so whoever wants to jump back up can come on up. And I just want to propose something else to you. This wandering time that the Israelites, this time of wandering. But what if you don't feel like you're wandering? What if you're living right? Right now, right now in the season of your life, you think that you're living right, you're doing everything right. You've been walking with the Lord a long time. You're walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden, something happens. There's a wall. Just like the Israelites are getting ready to cross in, and there is a wall. A wall that terrified them. A wall that they caused them to doubt. What if you've been walking, you're doing good, and all of a sudden, there's, there's a wall in front of you today? Maybe it's a doctor's report. Or maybe it's the marriage that failed. Or maybe it's that business transaction, or, or you were careless with your finances, or your kids suddenly don't want to serve God, or your spouse doesn't want to serve God, or your job closes down. What do you, think when you, what, what do, you do when you think that everything you're doing is right and you still hit the wall? When the Israelites were ready to enter, there was a wall there. And I just want to encourage you that we have to keep walking. No matter what comes in our way, no matter what rug gets pulled out from underneath us, we have to keep walking the walk of faith because the enemy is after our faith. Amen? You're believing for the promises, but meanwhile, the enemy is after your faith. He doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't want your car, your house. He doesn't want your dog, as cute as he might be. He wants your faith. He wants your faith. And the enemy of faith is fear. So he will try to bring fear on you, and, and you see a wall that's tightly there or that's secure, that that thing is not moving, and I know what it looks like, but you know what? You have to keep walking the walk of faith. And some of you got that wall in front of you today. Rebuke fear. Rebuke the fear. Don't come in partnership with it. Say, nope, mm-mm, this looks scary, but I will not come in partnership with fear. Rebuke the doubt. Things may happen in your life, and it causes you to doubt. Well, did God really promise me that? Or, Well, he did for so-and-so, but will he do it for me? Rebuke the doubt. Do not come in partnership with the doubt. Some of us are still wandering around in these old cycles and mentalities, and Jesus didn't die. He didn't die for that. He didn't die on the cross to deliver us, to go into cycles and mentalities, and to still be wandering, still be dealing with issues. He died on the cross to set us free completely, so we can have life and life more abundantly, so that we can partake in the promises, and we can partake in in his divine nature. Build your life on the truth, and you'll possess all the promises of God. In Jesus, amen? Don't ever allow this world or the truth of this world to override the promises of the truth of the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God. And I know in life, I'm not naive to know that we, we all go through stuff. And I, I have stories for days to share with you. And maybe one day I will. I'm looking forward to Pastor back next week, but I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's been declared over your life. I don't know what's been spoken over you or what you feel like, what was done to you or what you feel people uh, did to you, cursed you. But I do want the Bible, it's full of promises of God. And if he said it, if he declares it, if he speaks that over his children as we are, 
then it is. It simply is, and it's that simple. But so many things cloud our minds. So many things start to create strongholds in our minds. So many of our hurts and pains we allow to imprison us, to take us bondage. I mean, how crazy it is that somebody would be set free of... Um, I had the opportunity to sit down and have dinner with this woman who runs an organization in India where she, um, they rescue young women and girls from sex trafficking. And she was telling me that, all stories of them, and she was asking for prayer, and then she was asking for partnership, and she wanted to know if anybody from our church wanted to go and plan a trip. So she was sharing me these stories of these young girls, and she said the biggest battle is once we rescue them, they want to go back sometimes. Because in their minds, they think that that's what they were supposed to be doing, that that's what they're worthy of, or that's how they're going to make a living. And she rescued, they rescued them, and then she said, she said, Olga, the, the process after that is the hardest, to reprogram, to just speak God's love and speak, speak God's word over them. She told me that there was a young girl that they recently rescued that, um, I think she was 12, but her grandmother had sold her to slavery when she was 8. So from 8 to 12, she'd been living this way. And that 12 years old being rescued and having to teach her the values, teach her that she's worthy, teach her that, that she can make a living, that she's valuable, all those things. It's in the word of God. That's how we rescue people. That's how we um, love on people. That's how we reprogram our, our minds and our hearts. It's through the word of God. Amen. So I don't know what's been spoken over you or what you've gone through. God had promised the Israelites victory. The land he commanded them to go in and take was already theirs. They simply had to just trust and obey. But this they did not do. God would never lead us where his grace cannot provide for us or his power cannot protect us. I'm going to say that again. God will never lead you where his grace cannot provide for you and his power cannot protect you. The Israelites saw miracle signs and wonders. They saw it through this time of, of being set free, the miracles of Exodus. Yet, like many people, they walked by sight and not by faith. Hebrews 11, 6 is without faith is it impossible to please God. They were able to see. How many of us here, even in, sitting in church today, we have seen miracle signs and wonders. We have seen people set free. We have seen people healed. And yet we're still walking by sight and not by faith. I just shared with you that my son was, uh, was healed of a, of a heart condition that he had. I myself have been healed of an eye condition, glaucoma. I testified maybe about a year or two ago. I had diminishing eye tissue, and they told me that I had the eyesight of an 89-year-old. And at the time, I was barely 21, 22. Six months later, I went back, and they reported that it was completely gone. I was healed. I had received the promise. I had been prayed for, and I had believed that I would not. I didn't believe the report of the doctor. I believed in my healer. And so there's too many, I, I just, I felt like God told me last night, there's too many lost souls in the church, too many time wandering in the wilderness and has blurred us from our promises. Too many times we just, we focus on the day in, day out of what we are doing, what we have to do, the bills we have to pay, the children we have to raise. I had four of them this morning all by myself and I had to feed them, cook for, I made them oatmeal because it was the easiest thing. And I was just like, count it all joy, count it all joy count it all joy. And so I just want to remind you that this isn't our, this here on earth, this isn't our home. This isn't our, our last destination. I, I've always heard it said that we are pilgrims just passing through. And we can live in that freedom that this is not where we end up. This is just a place where we pass through. Think of the, the, how we could just see day to day from that. And so this morning, getting ready to close and 
So I want to ask you, can I pray a prayer of faith over you? Can we come together in faith and pray? And Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so the spirit of God can free you, can help you, can help you get through this this morning. So everybody to your feet, let's just agree in prayer. And you know what it is that may be delaying your promise, your promise. Maybe today you just like, oh, wow, I didn't know that I never dealt with it. I need to go deal with that. Or, hey, God, I need to present this to you this morning. Or I need to lay this down. I need to release somebody. I need to check my disbelief. I need to check my disobedience. I need to check the fear in my life. I need to not come in partnership with those things that are not in your word. And so we can, we have the opportunity to leave here today better than we came in, to leave here today partaking and participating in the divine nature of God, because that's our Father, and that's who we're supposed to be like, amen? All right, let's just come before the Lord together. I just want to encourage you, family, God sees you where you're standing right now or where you're sitting or how you're serving, how you're playing. God sees you right here, right now, and he loves you so much. He loves you more, you individually, more than anything that you've ever gone through or will go through. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I speak freedom and liberty over my family here today. Father, we receive your freedom today and your liberty. Father, I thank you that you're revealing to us those areas in our lives that we need to completely surrender and give up to you. Those areas in our lives that are going against your word and your will. And we line up today, this morning, we surrender our hearts, our minds, our issues to you. I speak freedom over our minds. Father, I thank you for knowledge and revelation. It says when they came into knowledge of his divine promises, today we we come into alignment with your knowledge of who you are, who you say we are. Father, we surrender to you. Father, and I also want to speak hunger and passion over us, that every day we will seek you. We will get to want to know you more. We will want to seek out your promises, your word, that we want to dive in into, our, into your word, Father, the truth, the truth of the word of God. Father, I even speak uh, a fire within us, a new zeal, a new refreshment to go after you every day. After day, Father, we open ourselves up. We surrender to you, Father. Give me that zeal. Give me that hunger every day to pursue you, to pursue you, to preserve what you want for us, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord. And I'm just, I sense that you're healing hearts this morning. Your word says that if we will draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And this morning, Father, as a family, we are drawing near to you, Father, and you are drawing back near to us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we will no longer wander. Father, that we, you, we will speed up that process. Father, we come against a 40-year, the spirit of 40 years. We come against it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, and we, come and we line up with a quick recovery. In the Bible, it also gives us examples of of, of the man who was, it said that immediately he was delivered. The demons were cast out and he was in his right mind. So God could do it in the suddenly as well. So whatever it is that you're believing for today, go ahead and receive it. Go ahead and reach for it. Take the promises for yourself. Take that healing for yourself. Take that miracle for yourself, for your family. Or stand in agreement for, stand in proxy for your husband, your wife, your child, your grandmother, your aunt who's in a different state, who's hurting right now. Stand in proxy for that. And Father, right now I come against confusion in the name of Jesus. Just clarity, sound mind. I speak sound mind over us all in Jesus' name. And tomorrow on Monday, 
Father, I pray protection over us, that we will not go back to our ways. On Tuesday, we will not go back to our ways. Father, we will continue to stand on your word and your promises and your revelation. And enemy, you have no place in our hearts and our minds and our lives. I come against you in the name of Jesus. The weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's take a moment to worship him. Hallelujah moments to worship him. He said he would do it, and he's doing it, family. He's doing it. He's doing it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just from your lips, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. Our identity is in you. Thank you that you're realigning my thoughts. Thank you, Father. I worship you. I praise you. I will no longer go back. I will no longer live in a prison. I will be set free in Jesus' name. Prophesy over yourself. Speak that over yourself. If you feel you're in the wilderness, prophesy over that wilderness. That no longer, no more refreshing. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Rain come down, refresh us. Humble us if we need to be humbled. We come, we come down on our knees if we need to be humbled. Father, we surrender to you completely in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact. Thank you.